the more you have conversations about mental health in your community, the more you are contributing to making this world a kinder place for those who are struggling. So even if it means correcting a misconception about mental health that you hear a family member say over lunch or jokingly between friends, do not underestimate the ripple effect that one conversation can do. Also, eliminating insensitive words that further perpetuate mental health stigma, like I'm going to say this in Arabic, like nafsiya, or describing someone who is moody as bipolar, or describing someone you don't like as psychotic or as schizophrenic. So let's change our vocabulary and not be a part of the problem. Welcome to Aqal, a podcast brought to you by With Hope UAE. I am your host, Mariam Bilhol. And in each episode, we hope to bring you an inspiring person or a message to help captivate your mental health across multiple life categories. We are here today to learn how can we better support a loved one who's going through a mental health challenge. Our expert on today's topic is Dr. Alia Al-Mudfam. Dr. Alia is a graduate of the United Arab Emirates University. She completed her psychiatry residency training in 2019 and is currently a specialist in Abu Dhabi. Her interests include mood disorders, child psychiatry, and neuropsychiatry. Here's our conversation. Hi, Dr. Alia. Welcome to the show. Hi, Maryam. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Thank you. We're very happy to have you on board. Thank you for having me. (laughs) So today we're going to discuss the importance of supporting a loved one who is suffering from a mental illness. And before we jump into the questions, I would just like to ask you on, from a psychiatrist's point of view, why do you believe that this is such an important topic to give attention to? Um, first of all, I'm so happy to be doing this podcast with you, Maria. Um, this is a very important topic to address because it's one of those things that can happen to anyone, anytime, whether it's uh, directly, um, like it can happen to you basically, or it can happen indirectly to someone you, you care about, which is the topic we're discussing today. Um, very often family members, friends of someone who's suffering from a mental health disorder, they feel helpless. And anyone who has been in this situation knows how it can be a really isolating and lonely experience. Um, However, social support is one of the most important factors that predict um, more positive long-term outcomes in any mental health disorder. So us being socially connected to others, this has been uh, linked and proven to better physical health, increased resilience to stress, and help us bounce back faster in the face um, of challenge. Um, The bottom line is we humans are born social species. We are wired for connection, for empathy. And I'm hoping in this podcast we can highlight some ways in which we can improve our connection with a loved one who has a mental health disorder to be able to better support them. Amazing. So uh, jumping right into the bread and butter of this episode, what are mm-hmm. some of the main obstacles that um, a person would face when dealing with a loved one with a mental health challenge? And how does this really look like? How does it look like to have someone in your house who's, who has a mental illness? Um, this is an excellent question, Miriam. Um, so one of the most common obstacles and one that I hear about all the time um, when people when people are faced with um, with like trying to help someone with a mental health disorder, is for that person to refuse to seek help, and that could be to, due to a number of reason, uh, reasons. Uh, 
Um, it could be because um, they don't think treatment will work, or they might be worried that other people might um, what other people might think. They might be worried it will affect their job or their studies, or because they might be having other um, like negative past experiences with with the therapy or with seeing a professional, um, or like all these reasons that we mentioned. But there's um, another reason that we should um, like I want to highlight. Um, even though it might come across to others as being stubborn or being in denial, their refusal can be due to a symptom of the disorder they have. So, for example, um, when we're feeling low, it might feel like the only thing we want to do is lay on the couch or stay in bed all day, right? Um, Mm -hmm. In certain disorders, a person can feel unmotivated to do even the smallest everyday tasks, Um, getting out of bed, getting dressed, even showering can feel like running a marathon. So this makes it difficult to do the things needed to help facilitate recovery, like eating well or exercising or seeking connection with others. So let alone seeking um, um, the uh, seeking help from a mental health professional. Um, so this is one, one, some, one of the symptoms that we might be seeing in, in someone with severe depression or someone with a, um, like more serious conditions like um, um, schizophrenia. Uh, also, there is uh, another symptom that can get in the way of people asking for help and one that is shared by many psychiatric disorders, uh, and that is impaired insight. So um, people with psychiatric illnesses, they sometimes have this uh, a diminished ability to understand the nature of their illness, or in some cases, even understand that they are ill at all. So what this basically means is that the person uh, doesn't recognize that he has a problem. So uh, this is basically this is mostly due to ne- uh, neuropsychological deficits uh, that affect how the brain works, and this is mostly in the frontal lobe region of the brain. But I don't want to get into the science of it, so I don't bore the listeners. <laughs> but, I absolutely love science, so we'll get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when you think about it, uh, it, it really makes sense, right? Because since mm-hmm. the brain, it's the same organ that we use to perceive others. We perceive our abilities, we, we perceive our needs. It's the same organ that's affected in many psychiatric disorders. So, so it kind of, it, it, it really makes sense when you think about it. So, um, yeah, um, even, even though lack of insight is a common feature of many psychiatric disorders, I, I really want to mention that the nature of this lack of insight can vary. So, so it, it basically varies depending on the condition. For example, someone with um, an eating disorder, for example, they may not understand why family members are concerned about them. And they still believe that they are overweight despite being underweight and having, for example, a a very low BMI in in anorexia, for example. Um, Another uh, another example is someone with um, severe depression. They might not they might not understand why people don't see them as a bad person or a burden. Um, the mm-hmm. same thing goes for someone with schizophrenia who is exper- experiencing um, auditory hallucinations. They might not be able to to tell that these um, hallucinations aren't real. So um, this is basically like uh, like some examples of, of insight that um, so so people can understand why um, why some people don't uh, or refuse to seek treatment because for them. It's their their symptom. This is very real, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's their real life that they're going through on a day to day basis. Exactly. Yeah. 
So just a quick question on the same topic. Um, when we're discussing disorders, is it easier for a person who's going through that illness to discover that they need help if they're going through um, one of the, let's say, kind of extreme disorders like, or not extreme, let's say more obvious, like schizophrenia or bipolar disorder versus anxiety or depression to, let's say, admit that they really do need help? Mm-hmm. Um, some people, um, it, it actually depends Um Mm-hmm. In, like, like I mentioned, uh, in many psychiatric disorders, this lack of insight um, might affect someone's ability to recognize that they have a problem. But that doesn't mean that everyone has lack of insight. There are so many people who, who have, um, who, who have or, or are experiencing um, um, symptoms of, uh, of any mental health disorder that can recognize when something is wrong or something feels off. Um, something in their probably something in their feelings or something in their thinking or behavior, and mm-hmm. they might bring this um, to to the attention of their of their GP mm-hmm. or their friends or um, anyone around them they trust. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dr. Alia, what are the signs to look for to know that someone has a mental health illness or a mental health challenge, and also how to know when that someone is actually going through a relapse phase? Okay. So, um, so again, this is this is an excellent question that I get all the time. Um, so uh, sometimes, like mental disorders, they generally, like generally speaking, they don't appear suddenly or out of the blue. Uh, most of the time, someone would recognize, like like I just mentioned, uh, a family member or a friend, or sometimes even the person himself would would recognize that something is off. So um, knowing the early warning signs and taking action can help and early detection and intervention can help reduce the severity of uh, illness or even delay um, a major mental illness altogether. So some of the signs that I want to mention is, um, for example, if you knew someone that uh, they used to be um, interested in something and they suddenly lost interest in something that they used to love, such as a hobby or a sport, or that they just um, like they just dropped it out of the blue. So this is um, one sign. Another is if they seem angry or sad um, for little or no cha- or no reason, and or have dramatic mood changes suddenly. Um, if there is uh, any change in productivity at work or school, for example, if someone at school has started uh, failing classes or having repetitive absences from work. Um, isolation is a big one, withdrawing from social activities and events, um, changes in sleep, uh, either oversleeping or having disturbed sleep, perhaps um, eating habits, uh, having uh, like uh, changes in eating habits. I mean, if, if um, for example, they uh, had periods like sudden changes in, um, in for example, overeating or, or probably even um, uh, losing uh, their appetite altogether. Um, someone might might have a decline in caring for themselves, or um, they might be ambivalent, uh, start becoming ambivalent about life in general, and don't seem to enjoy anything anymore. Um, other some some of the tips that um, uh, other uh, sorry other signs that uh, I want to mention is uh, this is this is of course a big one the uh, talking about suicide or talking about har- harming themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, if they have unsettling thoughts or illogical thinking or unusual beliefs, something that you're not used to from, from that person. 
um, uh, if, if this person suddenly becomes um, unusually fearful or suspicious of others or seem anxious or terrified about situations or objects that seem that might seem normal to you or others, if they told you they're hearing strange voices that only they can hear uh, or have a, a, like odd, unusual behavior that is uncharacteristic of, of that person. But like even, even after mentioning all these uh, signs, um, one or two of these symptoms alone don't necessarily, don't necessarily mean that someone has a mental illness. They just indicate that someone might need a further evaluation. Mm-hmm. But but just to mention, uh, t- t- like if someone's talking about suicide or harming themselves, this is this needs immediate attention. Like this is this is another um, this is an emergency, basically. Yeah, it's definitely a red line. And uh, Doctor Alia, regarding the signs that you just mentioned, um, is it more alarming? Definitely, if some if if those signs appear without a cause, like the person is experiencing those signs, but there hasn't been any change in their lives, like they didn't recently lose their job or go through a traumatic experience, but those signs appear out of the blue. Mm, um, so, like these signs, regardless if if um, the person has a reason for them or or uh, he doesn't, like for example, sometimes um, you might not know the reason behind someone's actions, or some sometimes, for example, a friend might be isolating herself, and you might think on the outside there's no reason she has she's going to the best school, she's uh, she's in her dream job, she's doing um, all. All the awesome things she's uh, she's uh, like you name it. So mm-hmm. so we d- we really don't know what that person is experiencing. So to like to ask ourselves whether there's a reason or there isn't. Sometimes there are some psychiatric disorders that can happen without a reason or that for a reason that is only relevant to to the person himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dr. Alia, can you give us some tips on how to deal with someone who's suffering from a mental health challenge? Okay, so uh, so this is like this this is uh, the like basically the most important part of this podcast okay. because Definitely. I, I really wanted to get to this. Um, so um, I, I like I wrote a few um, a few points that I want to mention, but I'm going to elaborate on them just so I don't forget anything. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, tip number one: um, If you know someone who's going through a rough time, I think the first thing you can do is to be a great friend to them or a good friend to them, even if they're a family member. Um, you can be a good friend to them by staying in touch, checking on them regularly, reminding them that you're there for them and that you care. Um, sometimes we might be afraid to have difficult conver- conversations with people because we don't want to come across as intrusive, but all we can do is we can start by asking a heartfelt question. It's important to establish a trusting relationship with that person and keep the line of communication open and to show your concern for them. You can say something like, um, I have noticed that you're doing this or I'm concerned about that. So even if they don't share what they're struggling with, for them to just know that you're there whenever they are ready to talk, this can make a big difference. Um, also being a good listener. So um, if they do share their struggles, it can seem pr- pretty obvious to say that, um, to be just be a good listener. But what I mean by that is to practice, um, um, practice compassionate listening and empathizing with their concerns and fears. 
there's one um, one um, New York. She's a New York best-selling author, and and I love her. She's uh, her name is Brené Brown. Um, mm-hmm. uh, she says she said something so beautiful about uh, empathy. What she said was, in order to empathize with someone's experience, you must be willing to believe them as they see it, and not how you imagine their experience to be. And I thought that this was really powerful. So um, definitely. Yeah, people usually mistake empathy for um, feeling bad or feeling sorry for the person. But empathy is really allowing yourself to experience whatever they're experiencing in their own way. And not exactly, not as she, as Brene said it, not as how you envision it or um, bringing up something that happened to you in the past and trying to link it to their experience. Exactly, exactly. And and um, I loved what she said here because it's so powerful and describes empathy so well. And um, so, uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to throw this in there. <laughs> so it's, it's a beautiful quote. Yeah. So it's very common for people who are struggling to withdraw. So basically the first tip is just to be caring and understanding. Mm-hmm. So um, tip number two, you can also support them by ha- helping out in everyday tasks that for someone with a mental illness uh, can seem overwhelming. So doing daily tasks that other people can do with ease or with very little effort, um, this might be very difficult for them to do. So um, by day-to-day tasks, I mean like even even something as simple as taking their pe- their pet to the vet or babysitting their kids for a few hours so they can have some time for themselves or managing, helping them manage finances. Um, you can also run some errands for them that they haven't been able to get to, or uh, even offering to help them organize their room. Something, mm-hmm. even like the simplest things can can take a lot, take this um, the stress out of their day-to-day life. So um, you can also help just by being there for them, hanging out, even if it's just ordering takeout and spending time with them, watching a movie. Uh, this can help them feel less isolated. Yeah, so uh, uh, tip number three, um, to educate yourself. So no matter who the person you're trying to support, uh, the best way to start is to educate yourself. So if you have a a loved one struggling with uh, obsessive compulsive disorder or um, depression, for example, let's take depression as an example. Um, You can educate yourself on what is depression. Um, how is it diagnosed? You can go online and look up uh, what kind of treatment options are, are available, what resources are, are are available in your city, and maybe you can share it with them. You can also ask them if they are if they're comfortable. How does the depression affect them? Uh, does it mean they have, for example, trouble concentrating and getting work done? Did they stop enjoying their hobbies? Do they feel tired all the time? Because mental illness affects each person differently, it would be helpful to understand their perspective and what they're going through. So educating yourself would also help you understand any limitations that your loved one might have. For example, um, if you're if they are un- they are unable to do certain things they were once able to do because of the illness, and therefore help you set realistic goals and adjust your expectations. Doctor, I, Tell I, me. I sorry, I just had a question that came to my mind. What if um, we're able to detect that our loved one who is suffering from a mental health challenge needs attention, needs professional attention. And we recognize that and we look it up online and we educate ourselves about it. 
However, once we try and approach that person and try to get them to understand that they really do need immediate attention and immediate help, and that doesn't work out because, as you said, for some people, being able to recognize that they're going through a mental illness is kind of um, nearly impossible or difficult, depending on the illness that they're going through. Mm -hmm. So what is there left for the person who's there to, to support their loved ones? Mm -hmm. um, so uh, there, there are some things that I'm going to mention in the in the coming tips. But mm -hmm. uh, like the most important thing, uh, in my opinion, is to have a, a trusting relationship with the person and to have the line of communication open. So, uh, so even if they don't agree to see a mental health professional, just having that support system, having you around, and having um, someone who cares about them can can make a big difference. Um, and with that trusting relationship, I believe um, they are they are uh, more likely to listen to you or to to um, uh, to listen to your advice. Basically, if you if you offer, so uh, I think this is this is the most important thing, and this is why I mentioned this point at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And building that relationship over time as well. Yes, true, definitely. So we want to support them in healthy lifestyle choices, even if they don't want to go to see a professional. We want to support them in healthy eating and exercising and having good sleeping habits because there are many studies that prove the, benef the benefits of a good diet and exercise and improving mental health and overall well-being. So mm -hmm. we, we can encourage them to have healthy uh, coping skills because sometimes those who are struggling with a mental disorder, they might try to cope by using drugs or alcohol to feel better, but that would exacerbate the problem not, not only drugs or alcohol like any um any unhealthy uh, coping um like uh, it could be like getting addicted to work or kind of any kind of addictive behavior right exactly exactly mm -hmm. so um so if we encourage them to have healthy coping skills um we would um we would help them to uh, find better ways instead of um like uh, uh, for example, struggling with or uh, trying to cope by using drugs or alcohol or other methods to feel better, and that would exacerbate their problem and create new problems probably in the future. So uh, we can also encourage them to practice self-care, like I mentioned earlier, daily tasks that uh, can be really difficult for them, but being involved and having someone to encourage them in that way can help tremendously. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, tip number five um, so if your loved one finally uh, agreed to see a mental health professional, you can help them up. Uh, you can help them by looking up uh, therapists or psychiatrists in your city. So going to, uh, sometimes if they feel comfortable, you can even go with them to their appointments or, or drive them there, even if it means waiting for them outside until they're done. Um, you can keep track of their appointments, make sure they're doing the home assignments that their therapist gave them. Um, if they're, for example, on medications to make sure they're taking their medications regularly without constantly reminding them or lecturing them about it, because that can be pretty annoying for so many people. Yeah, <laughs> so, it can backfire. Yeah, so, so, so to avoid that, uh, you can both agree on a plan or a routine together that would help build a collaborative relationship between you and also help them feel empowered in their recovery journey. So what we want to do is to make them feel empowered to, to, uh, to want to recover and want to, to get better. So yeah, this is, um, like this, this is really important. Also, 
Um, you can help them out by noting any improvements in their symptoms or side effects they, they might be experiencing to discuss with their doctor in their, ne in their next visit in order to do any ne necessary adjustments to their treatment plan. Um, also, because treatment for mental disorders take time, it's important to remind them that there is hope at times when they might be feeling hopeless. Um, I, I, I just want to note that if someone is harming themselves again, um, we mentioned this earlier, but this is really important. Uh, if someone's harming themselves or talking about suicide, it's cr critical to get professional help as soon as possible. And Dr. Alia, another question that just came to mind. Um, first of all, I absolutely love the tips that you mentioned, and I love how the tips are ranging across a spectrum of being able to physically take our loved ones to see a professional, to actually building up that relationship and building up that trust and being empathetic in the way we communicate in our day-to-day -day lives. Um, I know we spoke about the support that we offer to the loved one who's suffering from a mental health illness, hmm. but how about the receiving and how about the person who is actually giving out that support? Um, how, can, how can that person preserve their own mental health and make sure that that kind of support is not straining their own mental health um, and not creating challenges for themselves? And um, what if... What if the support that you're giving is not really helping that person? So when to know where to kind of draw, if, if that was an option to draw a line and say, I'm going to, to sit back and give the support that I can give, but I will not really allow it to, to affect my mental health. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you for bringing this up, Maryam. This is really, this is really important because um, uh, it's really important for uh, for you, if you're taking care of someone who's going through a mental health challenge or or someone who, who needs that kind of support, for you to take care of yourself. So you, we won't be able to help someone struggling if we're feeling overwhelmed ourselves. Um, it, it can be stressful and leave us feeling helpless. Um, and uh, it's easy to get swept in the needs of other people we care about, but we need to make sure that we don't forget about ourselves and doing the things that we enjoy. So if also if things um, get difficult, uh, you, you shouldn't uh, like you shouldn't forget or you, sh you should remember that you aren't to blame. Um, mm -hmm. And if things if things get tough, really tough, then there's no shame in seeing a therapist ourselves to help us cope. Okay, so uh, tip number six um, is one that is really dear and close to my heart, is to advocate for mental health in general, in your school, and your university, on social media. Thank you so much, Dr. Ali. I absolutely loved this conversation. And this takes us to our last question, which is my favorite question. Um, Dr. Ali, <laughs> what is the impact that you would like to have? Um, uh, so... Um, like I feel like in this day and age, we have become so disconnected from ourselves and from others, despite having social media and all forms of communication. And this breeds loneliness and isolation, especially for someone who's struggling with a mental illness. And um, like this segment of society is already marginalized and alienated, and I would love to be a part of the mental health awareness movement that advocates for them and makes them feel seen. I love that. Dr. Alia, where can people find more about you and the amazing work that you do? 
Um, I'm uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm I'm trying to be more active, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, my Twitter account is um, Doctor Al Um I post some tips there in both in Arabic and English. But uh, I promise I'm going to try to be more active <laughs> there as well. <laughs> um, the more we ha- you have conversations about mental health in your community, the more you are contributing to making this world a kinder place for those who are struggling. So even if it means correcting a misconception about mental health that you hear a family member say over lunch or jokingly between friends, do not underestimate the ripple effect that one conversation can do. So... Also, eliminating insensitive words that further perpetuate mental health stigma, like, uh, I'm going to say this in Arabic, like nafsiya, or describing someone you don't like as psychotic or as schizophrenic. So let's, cha- let, let's change our vocabulary and not, and not be a part of the problem. So like, I believe you cannot really fully support someone with a mental health disorder if you don't advocate for mental health um, um, in your community, basically. And this is exactly what With Hope is doing. Thank you so much, Dr. Alia. Thank you. This podcast is sponsored by Pixel House Productions.